Welcome to Advanced Fashion Disruption, with co-hosts Benson Roberts III and Megan Somerville, where we discuss the tragic, the predatory, the glory, and the deep beauty of fashion. Talking about um, staying on your meds, which I haven't located mine this morning. It's still pretty early, so I'm good. But <laughs> making sure that you're on the same level as your clients that are coming into your um, fitting or purchase situation, retail situation, whatever it happens to be, um, that like it can be hard, you know, and especially if it's brides. I know we talked about that last time and I know I said brides in a really bad way again. Brides. Brides. Yeah. Um, no, brides are like flesh-eating zombies. They, they really can be. There's a there's a point where they make the turn, and it's just like everyone scattered. Well, and I know I was a like uh, so I was married before um, my current husband, um, who I have been with for uh, I believe it's over twenty years now. <laughs> it's been a really long time. Um, okay, that's been and, a while. Yeah. I had a horrible experience as a bride. Like I, you know, I had this um, vision and now retrospectively having a tistic um, reaction <laughs> to what happened at my wedding was what occurred. But from a, an outside vendor perspective, I'd be like, Ooh, stay away from that one. <laughs> Right, right. No, and, and and that is that is a really important um, thing to understand. It is okay, and not only is it okay, it is healthy to recognize and respect the situations that you know you should not get into. And of course, the reason that we know this is because we have done it too many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason we always did it until we stopped was always money. It was always about somebody had money. We needed money because this is not a hobby. And so we would place ourselves in in literal um, hell. And um, eventually one learns that it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Fuck off. Go away. So I think that that's a really important thing to mention, um, Megan, that, that not only is it okay to not take a client that doesn't feel like it's going to be a fit, but to um, it's healthy. It's important not to take. Well, those yeah. Clients. Also, if you're dealing with a shit client, that's going to make the project 10 times more grueling and it's going to go five times longer because of the amount of changes that they make. You are now missing three good clients. Right. I mean, like, and I can't stress that enough because then you're going to be spinning your wheels because this other client is constantly going to be changing stuff because now they've gotten you to be able right. to do it once, twice, whatever. And these other clients who are, are like, I knew, I know that one's going to be in and out quick. <laughs> and I used to be, I, I used to say that about most things in life. I had a saying about most things in life, in and out quick and no one gets hurt. <laughs> no, right? Right. Well, you know, and, and I, I keep mentioning opportunity cost, and there's a hell of a lot of opportunity currency that you spend to deal with a shit client who's going to take 10 times the amount of time that the actual garment that you're making them is worth. So um, watch your opportunity costs while you're trying to pay your rent. Sometimes, even though it's counterintuitive, 
it's important to say no to some money to leave the door open for like, more money. Oh, yeah. And, Does that make sense? And if they're like messaging you through different social medias or commenting on stuff, Jesus. like, oh, uh, that's a... That's a red flag. <laughs> like that's a that's a, well, that's a respecting. A no, that's a big red flag. You know, and I've seen that with other they, um, sewing houses, design houses, and when I do see it on social media, I, I again, I have that reaction that um, that's not fair, and I hop in. I'm like, sounds like you're being an unreasonable client. I don't know the situation because that nobody's talked to me about it, but seems like you should have done better. <laughs> seems. It seems like you should fuck um, yourself and leave. No, I, you know what, what, what one thing will make me not take a client. I don't care how well they present. If you get on Facebook and try to call me <laughs> and you've never even messaged me, bitch, you were blocked. I don't care what you were going to order. You have a definite lack of recognition of boundaries. And, and it's weird to talk about boundaries when we're talking about commerce. But um, as I tell anyone that I do work for, we are actually going to have a relationship. This is going to be like a weird little marriage until it's done. We're going to have to communicate a lot. I'm going to get more uh, knowledge about your body than perhaps even your husband has. Um, so we have to be comfortable and we have to recognize boundaries and have excellent communication. And the minute that they call me without ever even having yeah. messaged me, um, it's done. You, you have Shit, a I've had issue. I know you think you're being proactive. I've had but photographers you're not. and the event pimps message and uh, call, uh, and I'm uh, like, good, Fuck. good. This should be their this should be their name now. They are event <laughs> pimps. Yes, I, I I declare it so forever. Okay, more. I'm hashtagging that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, event pimps. Yep. Oh shit. <laughs> No, you're so, but you're so. Well, right. and it, you know, it kind of feels that way um, a lot of times too. And 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 maybe Benson, maybe the people <laughs> that don't really understand the fashion industry, maybe they're they're project pimps. <laughs> they're, they're the peepees. <laughs> well, okay. You, 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 you know, I have often said that there's nothing wrong with being a whore, but there's everything wrong with being a stupid whore. Um, uh, so, so we have pr a stupid project whores too, um, and, and that's and, and it feels that way. I'm like, did did you not have a mother, uh, a a drag mother? Did you not have a prostitute mother to teach you the business? Um, and, and I really, I don't have a problem with prostitution. I have no problem with a sex worker. I've been very open about having been a sex worker and a lot of, a lot of what a sex worker deals with is, is mirrored by all other professions. I mean, we're selling a service that involves our bodies and our minds and our spirits. So, um, in a very real way, we, we ourselves are, are prostitutes. So sacred Sacred prostitutes, temple prostitutes. What's the stupidest stupid project that you, <laughs> that you ever had come into? Oh, uh, you know that I would. Oh my God. There have been so many. Um, uh, the the woman who brought us a bag that she had, it's like a belt bag that she had had for um, 
years and she wanted us to copy it. Not a problem if you're wanting us to remake it because it's falling apart. But then she wanted us to produce it and she didn't like the price point and she was angry at us for quoting her a price point that she didn't like. And I'm like, ma'am, this little stupid bag is so involved. I, I can literally make a men's shirt um, in less time. Uh, you know, a men's dress shirt in less time and make more money. So that was a really stupid project. I, people who have, um, oh God, so many, so many. Uh, the, the one guy that had the shirt that was actually built like a, um, like a leisure suit, way more involved than it needed to be was a stupid project. I've had people come to me wanting me to make beanies and I don't know, a lot of stupid projects. Actually, most of them. Uh, I think <laughs> I think the dumbest one that I ever looked at and never did anything was blowjob knee pads. <laughs> oh. I, 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 you know, that's far more intelligent than some of the projects I've been brought. Oh, oh no, slut pockets. Slut pockets oh, tell was me. the stupidest project. Super easy. She paid real well. They they were not actually slut pockets. They were beautiful lace garters um, that a woman could put their cell phone and lipstick <laughs> into, and they they immediately became known in our studio as oh, slut pockets because they were so slutty and uh, so trashy to keep and, your lipstick um, wear. But the woman sold <laughs> on on your thigh with your phone. So now you have melted, I don't know, unless you use candles for lipstick, I think that that was probably a bad idea. Uh, and and they, they they were super simple and the woman was uh, upright and she paid her bills on time. Mm -hmm. So it was a good client to work for, but it really was just the stupidest thing. And and I, I you know, when I get some of those projects like blowjob knee pads, I'm like, this is probably gonna make more money for my atelier than <laughs> um, I will ever make doing dresses because of I how know. stupid it is. Sometimes the stupid, I mean, somebody made money off of koozies, mm -hmm. cozies, mm -hmm. what do they call them, koozies? Uh, somebody yeah. made a fortune off of those. I don't know, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I try not to be derogatory about projects, but some of them are just very stupid or overly stupidly complex when they don't need to be. Um, and honestly, I think most projects that are not mine, I think are well, stupid. Well, like, but, like, you know, part of the NDA that I have with a particular project I had prohibits me from saying anything other than that. But it, I it, like it was mind boggling how involved they were going to make blowjob knee pads. <laughs> I'm like, I like, oh, right. You're putting what on where? Because how is the knee pad going to do its job now? <laughs> you know, it's just, it was, it was just oh, one of wow. those, uh, yeah, <laughs> pass. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you know, I, I had a, I had a woman once I was making um, uh, dressage mm -hmm. riding pants for, and uh, she was just a brilliant woman. I really quite enjoyed her until <laughs> I didn't. Um Clients are like landlords. They're great until they're not. Um, and uh, she brought me, she went to the people who made the flashlight in Austin. Uh, th those mm -hmm. those jack-off flashlights that you guys are all using, those are made in Austin, Texas. She brought me some of the slab, slabs, literal slabs of the flashlight huh. silicone sorry. to use for pads. And I'm like, I, I mean, I, this could be interesting, but do you have any idea 
how hot and moist the thighs of the, the riders are going to be. Silicone does not breathe. So I ended up uh, using uh, um, spacer fabric, which is an amazing uh, new new product, or it was new at the time. Spacer fabric has these, um, uh, yeah, I saw your face. Thank you for that. Spacer fabric has uh, two layers, usually of a knit, with actual fibers that hold them apart. So there's a lot of airflow, but there's a lot of cushion because of the air. And you can get it like 10, 15, 20 millimeters thick. Um, so we, we developed something that was the best riding pant that they'd ever had, but they did start with the idea of using uh, flashlight jack-off tool material to pad the thighs and the, the butt. I'm like, I, I just, I, there's a reason that the flashlight's using this. I don't know that you want that in your pants. <laughs> that just, way. <laughs> just, just not that way. Oh just say it. Um, I also, I also did once have a man, gay man, uh, who who thought that he was being very clever by putting condom pockets on his boxer shorts. And I'm like, I mean, sure. I, I guess if you're planning on selling a lot of boxer shorts to dudes at orgies, but their shorts are going to come off. Well, um, like, uh, why perpetuate I, you, the need to always be ready? But I mean, like, I don't know. I'm an old lady. Uh, yeah, well, you know, right, right. Uh, um, he also wanted me to develop a way to, I swear to God, Megan Somerville, <laughs> I don't think about these stupid things often, but when I do, I eventually go to the deepest, mm-hmm. dark, darkest hell. This same guy wanted me to develop a boxer brief that could have a permanent butt plug installed into it. I mean, it could come in and out for cleaning, but he wanted a boxer brief that had a harness so that a man could wear his briefs and keep a butt plug in all day. Oh. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I said, I, I don't even want to try to wrap my head around that. That's, I, could you do it? Sure. Should you do it? Absolutely not. I can tell you 25 reasons that that's a bad idea. Yeah, none of um, them are comfortable reasons. Yeah, so <laughs> none, none, none of them are really reasons that you want to talk to your mom about. So I I just think, no, I'm going to pass on that. Um, other stupid projects. God, there have been so many. I know. It's so kind many. of crazy. I, you know, thinking back about how long my factories were open and um just don't you love being able to say that you own yeah it was a good time i've owned i've owned five different factories and um that that doesn't include moving it from one place to another i've owned five different concerns um and they all evolved one into the other so you or oh you 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 had your factory for quite some time in north austin great it was um Stupidly expensive. It was setup. really, really big, and I would have done things different retrospectively. But considering some insurmountable things that occurred early on, um, I, I could have never done it alone, and I was trying to do it alone. And part of the problem at the time was the banking industry was just like throwing money at businesses that had no business getting funded much less when I essentially submitted my book of a business proposal to them and why I was qualified. I mean, they kicked it back to me 
number one saying, hey, <clears throat> you want to pivot your business into writing business proposals for people, we'll still give you money. Number two, you need to cut your budget down. So it, in effect saying, hey, we want you to do this on the barest minimum. And I get that from, you know, a lending perspective, but setting a business up for not being able to reach their full potential. Um, and so that was kind of like, like my, my big, That's my evil. big takeaway from it. Um, and then the, you know, the Peter Pan uh, lifestyle of Austin was not a good place uh, to move it. Even though it was my hometown, I love Austin. Um, it wasn't ready because people were still in that secretive, um, you know, this is where I get my stuff made and people think I hand make it. And, um, you know, it's this factory that's actually doing it. So they're not doing any of the word of mouth, which is really helpful for a business. Which is really helpful. Right. right. Oh, that was such a weird thing. That was such a weird When I built stuff for people, sometimes they would get so touchy about like me not showing that I was doing the work. And I'm like, right. uh, no. I get to to show the work that I'm doing. I'm not showing your designs. I'm not showing uh, your finished garments, but I can certainly show the beautiful work we're doing on the fly or the pocket. Um, that's how I sell my business. I, I'm, I gave you a price break so that I could use mm -hmm. this for social media. Um, I also had people, my God, Megan, I had a guy that thought that he had reinvented the t-shirt. Uh, yeah, same and, thing, but with bras uh, and guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, um, you want me to sign a non-compete and you're only going to order 100 yeah. t-shirts a month? Maybe. But, baby, if you were ordering a million t-shirts a month, I might sign a non-compete because you would be keeping me to capacity on t-shirts, but... A hundred t-shirts, and a t-shirt, my dude, is a t-shirt. I'm literally going to, every t-shirt that somebody thinks they've reinvented starts with the same fucking t-shirt block that I pull down from my blocks. And then, yes, we can make it fit the way you want it to fit. It can it can fit you and your, your lanky life, muscular body, and it can fit your hunky boyfriend's body and look good on both of you in the same size. Sure, we can do that for you because it's knit. But, um yeah, you can't reinvent the t-shirt, people. You can you can make better t-shirts than others, sure. You can definitely um, focus in on a fit for a body type. Uh, we did we did reinvent a sports bra. We completely re. A, a, a young lady had a great idea, um, no idea how to do it, and we actually invented a way to make a super supportive, extra comfortable sports bra. Um, they could hold up even some um, implanted double Ds nice. and and not shape and not bind. Uh, and that was that was a technique that thankfully we never actually shared um, because when they realized that it was going to actually cost money to produce them, um, they they thought that we were going too slow. And I'm like, no, you've got 20 different styles you want. We've got to make all of them work for you. I'm sorry. What did you think you were? Paying? Well, and that makes me think of um, that book. And it's, and it's quite an old one, but I think it's called One Billion Customers or something. But the essence about it is doing business overseas and that a lot of these hidden details in production are just kind of 
glossed over like oh well that was a failure to communicate <clears throat> and that people are like oh well because i'm paying such a reduced price for blah 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 with this company overseas i'll go ahead and eat that cost when we're telling them hey up front <laughs> this you know it's going to take this this and this to get where you're going and it's going to cost you this much you know, a lot of times staying um, stateside with production when it's um, at a certain scale is actually more profitable. And, you know, people don't really realize that until they start doing those numbers or doing business and see all of the other hidden costs, <laughs> quote unquote, hidden. Well, quote yeah, unquote, right, hidden right. Hidden. hidden because mm -hmm. you're not looking at the people. None of this stuff is ever going to be cheap or easy um, and, until you're actually in production and making lots of a thing. Then it gets cheap and easy. Um, but developing stuff takes time and money. And quite frankly, I'm always terrified of businesses that seem to want to make their money off of um, R&D. Like that's that's not how you make money in this. Yeah, business, I used people. to. You can make a living as an R&D artist, but... Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, we, we, we've both known companies that thought that they were going to make their profit on the R&D, and that's just not, that's just not how Well, and I not. used to do sewn product development for a company, <clears throat> and when um, the Trumpy election happened, I noticed that I was no longer on their website, no longer on their sewn development team. <laughs> And I'm like, uh, oh, oh, right, right, okay, right. Okay, cool. That's a interesting way to tell somebody they're no longer on your team. <laughs> awesome, uh, right? awesome. It's okay that you don't like my politics. Oh my gosh, like and they're like stupid. Um, and and I would have considered personally, I would have considered that a favor. Like, thank you for. Well, yeah, totally. But I, I mean, I like, you know, to let people know, like that happens. You can be somebody's like point person. And if you're out there uh -huh. with your political beliefs, you um, have to know that that can be part of that too, um, you know, whether you continue to do development. But it was a weird situation, you're right, kind of reflective back to what you were just talking about of, you know, the whole point of their business was R&D for people's ideas and then, you know, pushing it to places like Walgreens or um, Target or, you know, big grocery chains, that kind of thing. <clears throat> Yeah, not not a. It's great weird. It's weird. Not a great business. You know, it, it's a really it is it's a really weird business model, uh, and it's not one I I, I enjoy R and D. I like I like the challenge mm -hmm. of figuring something out, but it's not a business that I want. Oh gosh, no. No, I had a really bad R and D client once who like uh, constantly had <laughs> emergencies <laughs> and like his, yeah. this is my FedEx number and ship it out right. overnight and like oh I was planning on having my birthday dinner but cool cool <laughs> you know yeah okay yeah. let me ask you a question since we're since we're sort of getting into this and in our little um, at what point did you begin to realize that you needed to set boundaries with clients and that sometimes being an asshole to a client was appropriate um, to not let clients call you on your birthday and expect you to, to drop your own birthday dinner with your husband and family or friends 
do shit, some shit for them. When did you realize that that was something that was just bullshit that you weren't going to I think it that? probably had to be <clears throat> when I had that experience with Judy um, and the client coming in and being a total asshole and Judy just sitting there quietly, you know, arms folded over her belly, you know, <laughs> under her boobs, just kind of quietly uh -huh. judging, you know, kind of. And wasn't Judy, oh, she where was, was Judy from, from? Um, I want to say she was from Brooklyn, but she was New York area, you know? Right, right. Oh, she was a yes, New Yorker. Yes, and had the accent. So, so a New York, a New Yorker sitting quietly is a very you're being judged <laughs> quite simply. Yeah, yes. When 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 a New Yorker is not telling you to fuck yourself, they are in full judgment mode. So what? Did, and so what did Judy say? Um, after they left, um, she said to me, "You're gonna let them treat you like that?" And I, I let a similar pause happen, and. I really had to think hard about um, why that wasn't appropriate. Like it made me not feel good. And then um, again, this was like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. <clears throat> you were, you were I was like way younger. Yeah. And um, it was before I was really cognizant of how I operated emotionally was different from other people. And so when I would have interactions like that, I would always think it was my fault. Right. So I didn't really have a frame of reference um, of somebody advocating for me outside of a situation, seeing it occur and calling that bullshit. And so I think it was like a twofold realization of like, holy shit, you mean that that interaction I just had wasn't my fault? <laughs> oh, 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 right, right. No, some people are and, just assholes. Um, some people are permanent assholes, and some people are just assholes sometimes. But good. So you you realize? So that I realized your fault. it wasn't my fault, and I was able to start um, really looking at people's behavior more, and um, you know, not letting people walk all over me um, to get their project done. And I, it was really that moment that um, changed uh, how I operated forever, forever, forever. Do you know who had a profound impact on the Tell way me. I communicate? Was, was Miss Johnson. Really? Miss Tina. Miss um, Tina would not have a conversation with anyone about anything that had to do with business on the phone or through text, it all had to be done through email, every bit of it, every bit of it. And she said, well, honey, you have to have a, lit a litigable record. And I was like, oh, so I still, uh, uh, social media messenger platform is, is almost like email now. It is, it is actually admissible in court. But I will not talk about contracts or um, when people try to get me to call them instead of answering an email. I'm like, no, thank you. I, I prefer to keep an email chain. I blame it on my memory, but it really is because Tina Tina was right. Miss Tina was absolutely right. People people um, people feel privileged, and when they don't get what they want, and you fire them or you tell them no or you don't meet some realistic expectation that was not set in the contract that you all signed, 
uh, you want to you want a, an admissible, litigable uh, track. And, and I also I, I use those emails. I go back and highlight portions of emails, uh, screenshot them, and say this is what we agreed to. So I have a record of every agreement. I don't I don't discuss contracting on the phone. Well, <clears throat> and I think that when I don't we have this really frank <laughs> conversation about um, putting those contracts in place with clients that you have them sign off on this tiered program like you're going to be billed at this if you don't make an order of x number by this date um <laughs> that the expectation is set early um and just like in larger businesses um that there is a clause for you can totally change your mind that's not a problem but this is what like that renegotiated portion of this original contract looks like this is how much more it's going to cost you and so that happens all the time in larger businesses yeah and people get freaked out by that i'm like no 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 we will make changes um to patterns if if we've missed a fit issue um if you just change your mind and don't want your six sleeve sweater anymore and now you want a crop top that's not that's not an evolution of your project that's a whole separate project so you've got to pay for that if, if you have had us do a heart-shaped top and now you want a portrait top you've got to pay for that's not a change that we mm-hmm. can easily make um so we just we specify that that arbitrary changes or personal style changes are billable period I will handle fit if, if, if the pattern doesn't fit right. We will handle and make those changes because that is what you're actually paying us to do. That's my that's the job that I signed up for. To make you six patterns out of one, no thank you. That's going to be six times well, the cost. And these project yeah. pimps that want to float these... <laughs> I love... I, you have the hashtag that, that one too. Of, <laughs> project project pimps, pimps. That want to float these ideas... Um, I don't even know if they realize that there's insurance for them out there. Like you can insure your project like, Oh, I didn't realize it was going to take, you know, ordering a minimum from yada yada factory to have my fabric specially made for me. And that's now going to cost me blah, blah, blah dollars. You know, talk to your insurance people as you're setting up your company. That's not our job. Our job is to help create a product for you and have this podcast as a like, Hey, there's this thing out there that you can do for yourself, you know, or have the budget ahead of time for contingencies when stuff needs to be taken care oh, of, God, you, you know, one, one, when, when I was trying for a loan, they, they had a big question mark about the amount of cash flow that I wanted on top of, of the business plan. And I said, well, I need six months operating cost. I need to be able to pay people for six months. I don't want to start a business and then immediately have a cash crunch panic because I can't pay my payroll or my rent yep. or my bills or upkeep or repair or replacement. Why would I not need operating cash as part of a loan? I don't understand that. Are you setting me up to fail? Um, and you have to do, you know, I, I, my, my knee jerk answer now, when people ask me how much something costs, I tell them you need to have at least $30,000 to even begin. I don't care that you only want me to make mm-hmm. you a headband. 
If you don't have $30,000, you're just not ready. And, and, and no, it's not going to cost you $30,000 to have me make a headband, but let me tell you how that could. So you should be ready for all those contingencies. And uh, I, I was just talking with somebody, you hit on something. We do this podcast to help them. And I told somebody that was talking to me about the podcast, they said, oh, it's so helpful. And I said, well, it's also really kind of self-serving. And I have to be honest about that. And they said, well, uh, no, it's I, you're so giving. I said, no, no, no. Trust me, Megan and I are doing this to help you understand what we do, but we're also doing this to educate you so that you don't come and fucking bother us with your idiocy anymore. <laughs> so yes, this is a little bit self-serving people. We're, 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 we're sharing with you a combined like 65 years of experience dealing with young designers and people who have the best idea and people who have revolutionized the A-line skirt. Um, we have dealt with that for years and we're you have you've got to come right you've got to come right to the person you want to manufacture with when you step up be ready to throw cash because if you're not i'm ready to throw hands and and i think that um i had a bit of a reputation in austin mm -hmm. as you'll recall <laughs> it's it's where i began calling myself the most loved and hated man in fashion in austin texas um, because I would, I would dead stop any project. I would stop it in the middle. I would refund what was refundable. I would keep what was keepable for the work that we had done. I would send people to other, like you're done. I would suggest that you mm -hmm. call these six people. They might want to handle your madness. I had one client, um, whose husband was a pro baller and she thought that it was okay to come and, and expect me to meet with her at one in the morning when he got home from pro balling so he could watch the kids. And I'm like, once or twice, I'm willing. But honestly, lady, my business hours are fucking 11 until 7, period. Don't expect to see me before 11 or after 7. Don't expect me to answer a text before 11 or after. Can I? Yes. Will I? No, mm -hmm. not necessarily. Sometimes I, I will. But I'm, I'm trying trying to find life work balance mm. here. And, and um, so she sent me an email calling me the queen. I've, I've talked to other people about you. You are the queen of burning bridges. And I said, darling, let, let me be quite clear. Um, if there is a bridge that leads to the island of all the toxic snakes that are going to attack me when I get there, why the fuck would I leave that bridge up to mm. be able to go back to that place? I don't burn bridges. I am the empress of bridge blowing <laughs> yep, up. I've got a boat. And I've blown your bridge up. I've got, I, I am blowing your bridge up because you don't get boundaries. And I don't do shows when they tell me it's one thing and it's another. Um, I, I, yes, I would pull from a show. I would pull from a project. That's because I had been in the business for 30 years and I knew better. And I would just tell them I know better. I, and I'm sorry that you don't, but we're done. Full stop. Mm -hmm. Full stop. Sorry that your order is not going to get done by us, but you're being an absolute asshole. Get your shit. It's all binned and bagged for you. Get it out of here. There are six other people who might deal with your insanity. I am not one of them. Yeah. And I just did that here with, with, a, with a client. I'm like, I, I was trying to tell my partner here, like, you, you can't let, <laughs> too long didn't read, in that email, like, you can't let this client reset an expectation that they've agreed to and get crazy and pushy about it because they're panicking. You have to control that. Mm -hmm. 
clients don't get to arbitrarily change dates because of their emotions. Yeah. Well, she's just worried it won't get done. Bitch, what's the difference between it getting done on the 25th and the 23rd other than I agreed to the 25th and I have other work for the 23rd? Yeah. What is the difference? The difference is you agreed to the 25th. That is Well, not only that, me. people have this expectation and, uh, that they're you are constantly uh, working on their thing. No. I am dying right. stuff for project, no. you know, six months ahead of time because I'm trying to find the right color green. Thank you very much. Or <laughs> um, that I'm, you know, trying to pack for the first time for a vacation with the kids or, you know, like any myriad of real life things that don't fucking involve you. Love you a lot. But <laughs> Do don't not contact me outside the work hours. I, I, I get it. You know, I I think that it's something that we touch on quite often is it, it's this respect level. And, um, you know, maybe maybe it is one of the touch touchstones back to why this podcast started is that we're seeing a lack of respect in what we're seeing hosted as fashion and that <clears throat> there is no longer an oh, editing wow going on it's all like this performative clap 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 yes it's great and nobody's talking about like oh that is not constructed very nicely or how is that a collection <laughs> how does that all go together right, um wow, and right. so maybe that's um you know my um tistic uh in interpretation of you know why can't we talk about the elephant in the room i mean it's big let's talk about it that's Really? <laughs> There's mm -hmm. a whale in the room <laughs> that ate the elephant that was here earlier. No, you know, I, I, I actually had somebody that's known us both for quite some time ask, um, like, weren't you two yeah. fighting? How did, well, not I, really, I said, but no. like, said, we had a but, disagreement. We, we, Megan and I have not always been best friends. We have not always been in connection. And there are times that we were both agitated <laughs> as fuck at the other for decisions that we were making. And that, you know what that's called? That's called a relationship. Why do we still talk? Because the one thing that we have always had for each other hmm. was respect. Mm -hmm. And I respected you the first time I looked at your work. And I remember it was a little, um, little cocktail dress little cocktailer, cute little cocktail dress with goop here, lace trims. And um, I was showing it to you and you looked, I, you, you were so discreet, honey. You bless you for being so discreet. You, you, you looked inside and got this big smile on your face. And I said, what? You said, it's as pretty inside as it is on the outside. I said, well, that's how I make things. And I knew in that moment I had earned your respect as an artist because I do make things well. Um, and I don't, and, and hey, I don't make everything well. And guess what? No one sees that <laughs> shit. Because you edit, edit, edit. <laughs> edit. I, and I'm a brutal editor. I will edit my shit off of a model <laughs> minutes before she's supposed to hit the runway. I'm like, no, that's just, you know what? Let's try this dress instead. You're going to go back in, in line. You're going to come out last because this this mm -hmm. is not pleasing me um, for whatever reason. And, and, and that's, you have to be a brutal editor. Or sometimes I'll see something that I that's just not hanging right. It's on the wrong body type. And I'm like, get that rag off of her. Um, people are kind of shocked when I call my coach your work rags. And I'm like, well, when it's when it's not fitting well, mm -hmm. it's a fucking rag. 
And this show is only as good as its worst piece. Well, I don't want to put a worst right, piece and, out. And <sighs> when you put something on a body that is not complementary to that body type, you see it as a designer, and then the model then embodies that. I can't tell you how many times I've seen right. models hanging their heads, right. wearing a rag. Oh, no. <laughs> Benson, honestly. Yeah. Dejected. Mm -hmm. Dejected. Dejected. Thinking about immolating themselves right now because of the pure horror. Like, how am I going to make this feeling. look good on I've my social it. media? Because I told my homie that I was going to wear their cool <laughs> shit. Right. Because right. all my friends are here looking at me in this dri dribble. Um and, and my heart actually breaks for those models when I see those broken, dejected looks like, well, I said I would, so I'm going to. Mm -hmm. Honey, if you're a model and some designer tries to put you in some dreck, I don't care if your hair and makeup is did. I don't care if your eyebrows are on fleek. Queen, you look at that designer and tell them <laughs> to fuck themselves and walk the fuck wish away. So many of my models would do that because <laughs> that's how you brand yourself naomi campbell still works because naomi campbell will tell somebody to get this trash off of me i have a naomi campbell story i'll tell you one day uh, privately I can't <laughs> well tell it you know and like but, um and she she is she's a she's a queen bitch diva but she still has a career because she has and she's in her 50s almost 60. She still has a flawless career because she has always respected herself mm -hmm. enough to tell someone to fuck themselves when they're disrespecting her with their shit work on her beautiful body that she works so well, hard Well, and I think that that comes with a level of self-awareness and personal branding that she is really employing with her um career but it comes off in press as you know they're a bitch or they're hard to work with well like they're discerning and they don't want to wear garbage but thanks mm. um and you know and i know that i um, am a little judgy like that and so it you know there, there, there's been times where i've done the same thing I where i'm like oh no <laughs> No. Well, and, and let's be clear. <laughs> when we do it, we're not actually being judgy. Mm -hmm. We are assessing because we are professional and experienced enough to assess a situation. This is not to say that we do not judge because we can get real judgy when somebody who should know better still doesn't do better. That's when the judgy comes out. But we're assessing. We're always assessing. I assess everything all the time, full time, drives me crazy, but we are always assessing so that we can actually make an appropriate judgment. I loved um, Naomi on on the um, Making the Cut, mm -hmm. the Amazon show. I mean, she would just tell that this is not couture. What, what, what is this garbage? And people thought she was such a bitch for saying that. And I'm like, that was the most helpful thing that she could have done. When you blow smoke up somebody's ass and tell them they're fabulous when they're turning out trash, why would they ever improve? What we present ourselves as and, you know, what we put on our body is a mindful 
choice. I think once those things um, begin to happen more frequently, that this incredible skill set will really blossom. Preach, Sister Megan. Preach. <laughs> um, you, you know, you've heard me say it. I'm certain, and if you haven't, this will be your first time. The only thing that we have any business considering manufacturing in the United States are well-done high-end goods, period. Why? It's the only thing that we sell internationally. Mm -hmm. uh, back when we were doing White Star and we were on the big um, reshoring of American apparel jobs, I kept pushing that idea. We will never compete with the Chinese. We have no business trying to compete with the Asians, the Indians, the Pakistani people. We, it, it, it costs us more for a Big Mac than some people's rent costs in third world countries. We can't compete with low end goods. Um, and at the time I, I, would, I, would, I would say, so do you know who buys most of the American apparel that's made in America? And people assumed it was American. I said, no, right now we only buy 3% of our own output. Um, the other 97% goes to China and Japan because they recognize that high-end, well-made American goods are valuable. And we're not even making them that well. There's just still a concept yeah. that we are. So if we could start making high-end goods that were well-made, we would, we would sell to our own people. We're up to like uh, 12 or 13% of our product is now being purchased in country, which is a vast change. Doesn't sound like much, doesn't look like much on your calculator or on paper, but in the market, that's a vast mm -hmm. change from 2% or 3%. And it was down to 2% at one point. Um, we were out, so everything was leaving the country because other people valued it more than we did. And we're willing to pay more for it than we, than we were willing to pay for it here. We wanted cheap disposable stuff. So that is switching, you are so right. But we have no, if, if your concept is to try to out um, do an underpriced Chinese goods or Asian goods or South American or Mexican goods, stop, back up, or rethink it. I'm not your person. The only thing, <laughs> or, well, no, 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 just rethink it. It's, it. it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. We can never pay our workers in the U.S. that little. Our minimum wage, as shitty as it still is, is more than people overseas get paid. We cannot compete with that. We don't even have, they're so automated now to be able to do things as cheaply as they do that we don't even have the infrastructure or machinery to compete with that. So stop. The only thing we have any business manufacturing in the United States are high-end, well-made goods. We can create a million jobs doing that. We do not need to bring the jobs that we sent away back because two things will happen. Number one, we will collapse again because you're not going to get anyone that wants to work for $10 an hour, which is far more than they make uh, in, in the third world countries where they produce garments. Number two, um, there's just no market for cheap stuff anymore. We don't want it. The Chinese don't want cheap stuff. If we start trying to out China, China, we're going to just undo our entire process here. Well-made, high-end goods, period, period, the end. That's not to say that you can't have a mid-range. You can't, that's not to say you can't. I'm just telling you, you shouldn't. We don't want to collapse economies that are based on the million jobs that we sent away in the 90s. That would be mm. cruel and horrible and would cause its own global problem. 
this is where you and I are being global voices. This is where that concept comes from. We cannot bring all those jobs home and leave all those people who depend on those jobs jobless. We will literally collapse economies if we do that. The G GPD of what those countries put out in apparel for the American and European markets are a massive part of their, their GPD. So we can't do that. We can create new jobs. As you said, Megan, preach sister Megan. We can create new jobs. We can service a world market that's hungry for well-made high-end American goods, and we can develop our own market at home for people who will eventually understand that their $3 George t-shirt from Walmart is just a throwaway and they could spend $30 and have a t-shirt that won't pill and fall apart and stretch out of shape. Right. And, and all you have to they could Go have ahead. a t-shirt. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, and all you have no, to you do is ahead. look at the current market on places like eBay for vintage American made t-shirts that are printed with bands from 20 to 30 years ago are going for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. <laughs> I'd laugh if that's right, considered right. vintage because, you know, I was, those are my t-shirts guys. We had, right. I had all those. Um, yeah, but it's, and it's, and those, the prints are a little shady in some places because our printing tech, we didn't have uh dye, sublimation t-shirts printing back then. It was all direct to garment or press on um, appliques and things. But the t-shirt bodies themselves even faded. The t-shirts are still in an yeah, impeccable shape. Yeah, and this one that I follow because... used to be a venue. And so when people like Nirvana would show up, they'd put 10 t-shirts in a box and throw it into a storage unit. And, you know, kind of talking of going back to putting all of your things in storage, like it, it will keep. Not only that, it'll be sellable. Of course it will. When it's time for it to come out of storage. I mean, it's amazing what's happening in that market. Amazing. I will tell you uh, that the fabric that I took out of the warehouse um, on my first trip that I made sure was gone was the classic fabrics that will last forever and be just as relevant in yep. 20 years as they are now, period. I left the knits. I intended to go back and get the knits. When I went back the next day, that man had actually welded oh the door shut, <laughs> which I thought I sat and laughed. My friend thought I was crying and I'm like, no, no, he's actually done me a favor because I would have had to have stored all that shit someplace. And my business model is that we have the mm -hmm. latest and greatest. We have our classic high-end section, but all of the rest of the stuff has to be brand new on the market. And I probably won't get the store reopened for a year or two. By the time I get the store reopened, this shit's going to be four years old. It's old stock that I would be selling for 50 cents a yard anyway. So he's actually done me a favor. Hopefully yeah. he can sell I mean, it like, I, you know, there's somebody that I was trying to connect you to here in Denver, who's like, I have a whole warehouse. I'm like, yeah, but is it sellable? <laughs> you know, the, and that's uh -huh. the whole point of, you know, these. Could you tell me what's <laughs> in your warehouse? Because if it's just a bunch of shit knits from, I, I, you know, is it Chevron? Is it the whole Missoni craze? Do you have that? Or maybe the layered ruffled knit that was so popular that, you know what our litmus test was at what? Textiles? The minute it showed up at Joanne or uh, Hancock Fabric, it was done. Off the shelves, out into the 50-cent bin, we were on to the next thing. The minute Chevrons showed up at one of those two stores, it came off the shelves, went into the 50-cent-a-yard bin, period. 
And, and that was a great litmus test for us. If Joanne is selling it, yes, ours is better. It's the higher quality, but get rid of it because we don't want to sell anything that Joanne sells. We would sometimes bring things into the store. Um, even in Detroit, I had brand new stuff that had not even hit the runway yet because of the connections we have out in LA. Mm -hmm. So that was the business model. It's okay that I left that behind. I haven't had to pay to store it. It hasn't, I haven't had to move it. It was, uh, oh, it was, it was half a million dollars worth of knit. Oh yeah. When I left Texas, I donated like tens of thousands of dollars of fabric to the UT design program. And, and that was just the wholesale cost. If you would look at your retail costs for that fabric to replace it at a retail value, you probably donated $100,000. Yeah, it was multiple I um, U-Haul trucks. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, gave, I gave them a huge mm-hmm. shit ton of fabric, too, when I left. I'm like, just all of these knits, probably probably two big bands. I, I wasn't as, I didn't have the large S you had because we were still a store. But stuff that I didn't want to transfer or take to um, Smithville, I gave to a UT. I gave to um, Baylor. I, I you know, we gave a lot of fabric away. We also had our program, um, which I still run, um, even though I'm not in business. I still give students who can't afford good fabric mm-hmm. scholarship money, and there's no scholarship fund right now. Yeah. That's just me resources, away fabric yeah. Because that's part of that's that's just part of how you do it. Yeah. That's part of how I do it. I I like to give back to my community who gives so much to me. It's true. And and I do want to make one correction. <clears throat> um, I got a message from our wonderful uh, friend, Rachel. Um, can you do that? Uh-huh. Rachel L. Smith-Rose. Um, and she has a friend in fashion that listens to us that um, heard us talking about um, the um, fashion um, designer, Tom, last week or earlier this week, I guess it feels like a whole week has gone by. Um, and they're like, oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't a women's wear line. That was men's wear week. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love being corrected. So I'd much rather talk about being corrected and thanking them for reaching out to, to, El- oh, yes. to Rachel yes. to be a filter for us. Oh, my God, it was adorbs. Um, but, yeah, I'd much rather, like, there's so much information coming at both of us while we're trying to give our opinions about um, or our reflections about being in business, but also trying to remain relevant and seeing what's going on currently. So I love that somebody reached out to Rachel to send us a message. That, like, yeah, No, I think that that's, that's so awesome. And, and, and speaking of Tom Brown brilliant designer. I don't think Tom Brown does men's or women's wear at all anymore. I think Tom Brown just does collections and it can like be shown on men or women. Um, he has evolved and that's where the whole industry is going to. There's more and more genderless um, apparel coming out. And you know me, the man who was wearing skirts and fabulous furs and makeup in the eighties as a man, I am all about it. Boys, Dress up in your fanciest frilliest because men's fashion has been a fucking yawn. Well, and I think that maybe that should be an episode that we should talk about of, you know, going to which um, fashion week, if you're going to be committed to going to one of these large scale fashion weeks, because what their comment was, was that was men's wear week. And so you were looking at a men's wear collection. And, you know, I think it's valid, you know, because I don't, I don't show men's wear. Absolutely, it's not on my fucking radar. <laughs> I love like when that happens. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, 
because I had been defending that collection and so many of the groups that I belong to when they when they show the avant-garde stuff as as humor and everyone starts to deride it. I'm like, how are you people even in a costuming group being upset about amazing costuming? So I, I was aware that we were talking about the menswear collection, but I don't believe that it's a menswear collection at all. It was just being shown in during menswear week. He could turn around and show that at women's wear week and show the same stuff styled differently. He's he is on to something. He is he yeah, is an evolved Charlie. designer. Super fun. I'm never gonna stop making gowns. And if Harry Styles wants to wear one of my fabulous gowns, I will certainly make it without bosoms for him. I've done that. Yeah, I had many somebody times. many men who have wanted dresses. And we can, can I we had can somebody take the reach out, out to me recently, like, can I ask you questions about fit on uh, my male body for underwear? And I'm like, oh my god. Absolutely. Please do that. Please. Yes. Yay. Shout out to Miss Susan O'Neill, who sent us multiple. She caught up on episodes and she sent us multiple messages. No, not I don't in the mountains. We saw them. <laughs> um, my, my, my favorite was uh, in response to our, our, our last phone call when, when um, they go low, uh, we go high and how ridiculous it was at this point. She sent a message that I quite loved. Um, when they go low, can't we just push them further into the ground and bury them? <laughs> yes, we can. So shout out to Miss Susan. Shout out Susan O'Neill. Um, and I would also like to shout out to Jen Sittery. Um, you may get tired of us talking about Angel for Fashion, but the need to support Ukrainian designers should not be boring you. So be sure to check out angelforfashion.com or check out uh, Advanced Fashion disruption.com our website where you will find a tab that will lead you to angel for fashion that's going to be a permanent tab on our website and you will soon be noticing a tab on our website for uh global mm -hmm. voices of fashion we will definitely do an episode when that goes live but but be on the lookout for that that may show up before the episode does megan i love you and i'm looking forward yeah, to today's i'm episode. excited and i'm thank you so much for taking all this time talking to me today Oh, God, I missed you. I mean, I we know. haven't talked in I three know. days. It's <laughs> a long time for us. Thank you so much for listening today. This has been episode 12. And you can listen to all of our episodes at advancedfashiondisruption.com. As always, we're going to plead and beg. Go to our Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. And buy us up a cup of coffee. Buy us a cup of coffee, because... Clearly, we could use some voice coaching in addition to everything else that we're doing on this podcast. Thanks again for listening.